0: So, there was a 38-year-old woman named Carlita, Carlota Bennett. (laughs) Anyway, she realized that the water in her house kept rising and is rising, and it now had reached their hiding place. What do I mean by this? Carlota and her family had, had run up to the attic space in their home because New Orleans had begun to flood. So they're hiding in their attic space, and the water has been rising and rising. She began to panic. She started losing control of her emotions. Um, and she had good reason to panic because at this point, like, where do you go? Like, I mean, you're in, the, you're in the attic. You can't go back down into the house because it's all flooded. So what do you do? You know, you start to panic. Hurricane Katrina was blowing uh, sections of their roof off, and the house had shaken off of the foundation. The water was rising, and the fi- family of five was now threatened, and their lives were threatened at this moment, trapped in the attic. Two, tree- two huge trees had fallen on, either- on both sides of the house, right? And they f- almost pinned the house together, pinned them in there, wedged the house in place, yet the waters were still rising and their lives were still in danger. That's when Carlota's four-year-old daughter (laughs) decided it was time to pray. I can imagine this four-year-old being like, mom, snap out of it. We got to pray. You know how kids do that to us, right? Like we got to, let's just pray. Okay, we're going to pray. So they began to pray. Her four-year-old daughter says, let's pray. She grabbed them by the hand. She said, Mom, you've got to calm down. Let's pray, and she began praying. When the child had finished praying, the water had started to uh, started receding. They made their way down the stairs and into the house, and into the house, and they noticed that the two trees that had wedged them in saved their lives because the house didn't float anywhere. And a lot of times what it did was it kept uh, the doors from busting open and extra water coming in, things like that. So those two trees saved their lives. They climbed out of the house and made their way through the rubbish and through the water to a middle school to seek shelter. On the way, they saw so much damage. They saw debris. They had to walk past bodies of like human bodies of people that had drowned or had gotten killed through things falling. They heard the sounds of screams in the background and collapsing houses. This family of five. The Bennett family, on their way there, they realized that they had lost everything. They've lost everything. When they got to the school, they realized there were about 350 people there. Most of them were injured and they were seeking, ref- uh, seeking refuge and shelter, right? The next two weeks, although they were in the school for the next couple weeks, there was no running water in the school. There was no running electricity in the school. And so you could imagine what the bathroom situation and hurt people and 350 people just kind of like all together with no utilities and no food things at that moment just seemed like it couldn't or wouldn't get any better with their world in disarray and fading hopes for rescue because they were still waiting on someone to rescue them the bennets and the other families began to pray for a miracle today's message is titled faith and suffering that says faith and suffering that's my fault but it's faith in suffering um, because what do we choose? They, at this point, they made a decision to pray in the midst of their suffering. Now, people have been dealing, people have been dealing with all sorts of natural disasters for years, for years. Um, the destructive forces of nature is nothing new to us. But at the bottom of every disaster, people ask the most asked questions, why? Why would the God who created us allow so much suffering? Why would God allow us to suffer if he made us? Right? I and mean, that's, a, that's, a, that's not a bad question. I mean, that, that makes sense. Like, why? God, you made us. We're your creation. Why would you allow us to suffer? Thankfully, The Bible isn't afraid to answer or address the tough questions of life. Questions about suffering is one of the oldest, and there's one of the oldest stories in the Bible that we read that addresses suffering. As you guys can see, we have Job written above that. Story of Job. Job, (laughs) he undergoes true suffering. True suffering, so much. No mother on earth would ever again probably name their child Job. Any moms want to name their child Job? Like, I would never put that on it. But although no mother would ever name their child Job, Job is still a man that will never be forgotten, who will never be forgotten. Because of the way he dealt with his suffering, That has been a source of strength for those searching the Bible for strength and answers in time of suffering. How many of us, we going through it, we like, let me just read Job? Anybody? Anybody go, yeah, you're like, well, because his suffering makes your suffering look a lot less, a lot less, right? Very small. Let's turn to Job chapter 1, verse 20 and 22. It says, Job stood up and tore his robe in grief. Then he shaved his head and fell on the ground to worship. He said, I came naked from my mother's womb, and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. In all of this, Job did not sin by blaming God. So quick context. To this, if not everybody's familiar with the story, God, Satan, we're chatting it up. And Satan says, uh, God goes, look at this, look at, my, look at my faithful and righteous servant, Job. Satan looks back and I'm like, man, he only does that because you gave him everything. He said he's only, he's only faithful and loyal because you've blessed him so much. If he didn't have all that, he wouldn't praise you and worship you the way he did. He wouldn't be as faithful and loyal. And so in that conversation, God says, okay, let's see. You, you're allowed to do, you know, what you want to do. Just don't touch my servant. Just, just don't harm him. And so you, you read, if you read the Scripture, what's happening is he's talking. <laughs> Someone comes up to him, a servant, and says, listen, the, the, the Sabaeans just raided." And they stole all our oxen and donkey. They killed all the farm hands and servants but me, to tell you this. And as he's telling him this, another servant rushes to him and says, fire fell from the sky and burned up all your sheep and the shepherds. Only one person survived, and that was me. I'm here to tell you this story. As he's telling him that story, another person comes and says, bands of Chaldean raiders stole all your camels, and they killed all your servants but me. And I'm here to tell you this. And while he was telling him that, another servant comes and says, listen, all your sons and daughters were having a party in your 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 oldest son's house, and out of nowhere... A powerful wind came, and the house collapsed on all of them, killing them all. I survived, and I'm telling you this story. Wait a minute. Talk about having a bad day. This was a bad 30 minutes, the worst 30 minutes. I mean, can you imagine? I'm telling you this happened and I'm I'm not even done talking and somebody else is going to run and tell you this happened. I mean, it was one thing, one thing, after another, after another, after another, after another. Talk about a bad, anyone ever have a bad day like this? Anyone? Anyone? Are you sure? I mean, I've heard some of you guys had some horrible days. Anybody have a day like this? Nope. I don't think so. But yet, Job responds faithfully to the Lord. In his suffering, because he's human, right? (laughs) He just lost everything. In his suffering, he's choosing to have faith. His story and his response, they leave us with a very important question how will you respond in the midst of your suffering? How will you respond when you're going through the trials and the tribulations of life and you are enduring real life suffering? Because we all will suffer at some point. Yet, even after choosing faith, the battle with suffering is far from over. And this is what I kind of want to talk to you guys about this morning. Um, just like the Bennett family that we read about, they, 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 got, they, they made it to the school. But now they had to endure this season of suffering. I mean, they had no food. They had no water. They had no electricity. So, yeah, they made it there, but they're still having to suffer. Yes, they're praying. They're trusting God for a miracle, but guess what? The reality is they're still at that school with no electricity, with no water, with no, with no food. Sometimes the biggest battles come after the storm has passed. Sometimes we go through life and we're like, man, that was a horrible storm in our life. And then we notice that it gets worse. And it's like the battles that we face are far worse after the storm. So I want to look at three things that choosing faith won't do for someone in their suffering. Three things that choosing faith won't do for you and three things that choosing faith will do for you. Because if you are not aware of the won't do for you things and you expect those things, then it's going to cause you a lot more further frustration in your your trial, in your season. The first thing is that choosing faith in midst of suffering will not eliminate the pain that you're feeling. I want you guys to understand that. Job was devastated. Our pastor says that he tore his robe. He tore his robe. Can you imagine? And he shaved his head. He fell to the ground. If you look at uh, in chapter 2, in chapter two, if you continue reading the story, he continues further after he's stripped them of everything, and now the devil goes and he affects his health. And, and, and in chapter 2, um, verse 7, it says, So Satan left the Lord's presence, and he struck Job with terrible boils from head to toe. Do you know what boils are? it's kind of gross, ready? Boils are painful pus-filled bumps all over your body. Who? Who? Like all over. And, and and the thing is if you read chapter 2, if you read it more, he was taking pieces of um uh, of uh broken pottery to scrape uh the, the boils, I'm telling you, man, the guy was in a hurt. Like, he was, He was. here he is. He lost everything. And now, in the midst of losing everything, he's miserable. Like, his body is hurt. Is, 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 he's all jacked up. But yet, Job responds to the suffering with faith. With words that to this day are quoted over and over. Well, the Lord give, the Lord take away. How, you, who, who people, how many people have heard that? Well, this is where it came from. This is where it came from. You know, when you're little and your, your parents take something from you, well, the Lord gives, he takes it away. Well, you, the Lord didn't take that away, you did. Can I get it back? <laughs> That's where he got it from. May the name of the Lord be praised. Job chapter 2, verse 10. He, it says, but Job replied. This is, this, so so he, when it came to everything being stripped from him on day one, his response was the Lord, takes, Lord ta- the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. When his body was filled with boils all over, he responds to this too. In chapter 2, verse 10. And it says, but Job replied. You talk like a foolish woman. Should we accept only good things from the hand of God and never anything bad? So what's happening is after his whole boil situation here, his wife was like, yo, just curse, just curse God and die. Just curse God and die. This is his wife. His wife was like, yo, you're, just curse him and die already. And, he, and his reply is, wait, wait, so you're telling me? that it's okay for me to take all the good things that come from God, but then I can't accept anything bad? How is it that this man chose such great faith, but yet still was feeling such great pain? How else could it be? If we take the risk of loving those around us, right, grief will be tremendous when... In, in times when we lose loved ones that are taken, you know, when they're taken from us. The alternative to grief is never to love at all. The alternative to grief is never to love at all. We're called to love. We're instructed in the word for us to love. So then we need to be prepared to feel Grief. It's a part of our life. It's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. We too will feel pain. We too will suffer. Pain and grief, pain and suffering, it's guaranteed in this life. It's guaranteed. That's something that we can say is guaranteed. Yet his example, Job's example is clear. He chose faith in a moment like this. He held on to his faith. He endured although the pain was real. Sometimes we say, if I choose faith and suffering, then the suffering goes away. And what will happen if the suffering doesn't go away after you've chosen faith? Then you begin to doubt faith all all around. This is why it's important to understand what faith doesn't do in times of suffering. Faith won't take the, the, the pain of suffering away, but you know what's awesome? It points us to the one that one day will. Uh, Okay, okay, I'll read it to you. I'll read it to you. Revelation 21, verse 4. It says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. When we choose faith, in the midst of suffering, that, that, that decision of choosing faith points us to the one that one day will remove all the pain and all the suffering that ever exists. Second thing that choosing faith in the midst of suffering that, that it doesn't do, choosing faith doesn't stop the questions. The questions. In the book of Job, two chapters of faith because in the first two chapters we see the great faith of Job <laughs> are followed by 35 chapters of questions 35 chapters of questions you know i mean how many of us have been like why god anybody it's okay This, First of all, seeing the example in the life of Job, he went through it. He had faith. He chose faith and then still asked questions, meaning that choosing faith in the midst of suffering will not stop the questions from popping up. You can see them throughout the chapters, the next 35 chapters in the Word. But Job isn't the only one that asks questions. And still chose faith. We see Jeremiah chose. I mean, Jeremiah had faith. And yet he wept. And he wept. And he asked God, God, how could you allow such despair? Like, how could you, how can you, how can you sit there and let this happen to me? Like you see what I'm doing, you see how hard I'm trying. I mean, Jeremiah was faithful to the fact that he would go and preach. He would go and preach. He would go and preach no matter the rejection, no matter the rejection, no matter. He would still go and do it. That's living by faith. We're talking about living by faith the last two weeks in Bible study, and you know what? It's not easy to live by faith. But we see Jeremiah choosing to do so and still having questions. Yes, he chose faith even through his suffering because he was suffering. I mean, he's famous for crying. I mean, who wants to be famous for crying? He's famous for crying. That's how, that's how, that's how much it, it, it burdened him. That's how much he was going through it. That's how much that, like, he just, it was just too much. And, and he had questions. But it didn't say he was unfaithful to the Lord. It didn't say that. He chose faith. Remember David, when David was hiding from Saul? Psalms 13, chapter, chapter 13, verse 1 says, Oh, Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? This is David. King David talking to God. Listen to me, church. I I want you to be encouraged today because sometimes we feel that when we have questions like this before God, like, oh, God, have you forgotten me? Then all of a sudden the enemy wants to say, like, oh, how dare you ask that? How dare you ask God that? And then self-condemnation comes into play. And then you feel guilty. And then you feel shameful. And then instead of turning toward God, you turn away from God because you're shameful of what you've asked God. Are we understanding how important this is to just grasp so that way you don't have to feel guilty when you're in pain and you're suffering and you choose to still know, God, you are great. You are mighty. I'm still going to follow you. I'm going to believe in you. But God, what is going on here? That's okay. That's okay. These questions sound so familiar. I've asked these questions myself plenty of times. To question suffering doesn't make you a heathen or a pagan, it does not. It means that you are human. Come on. God doesn't want a bunch of robots playing church every Sunday. Uh, 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 uh. Praise God. Praise God. Uh, he He doesn't want that. He doesn't want that. He wants you to be real. He wants you to be you. He created you the way you are for a reason so that you can Praise him. You can serve him. You could surrender your life to him, but surrender the life that he made. Jesus had questions about suffering. Before his crucifixion in the Garden of Gethsemane, um, Father, do I really need to go through this? If there's any way, if there's any way maybe we could get past this, that would be nice. But your will be done. That's that's still still a question. Like, you know, like, do I I really got to go through this? And that was Jesus. That was Jesus. Do I still got to go through this? Okay, Father, your will be done. Choosing faith does not remove the pain of suffering. It doesn't remove, it doesn't remove the, the, the questions that come into our mind. And choosing faith in the midst of suffering will not create magically, logical reasons for your suffering. This is something that, like, but why? I mean, like, but logically, things just don't make sense. Why would this happen to me? We question God as one thing, right? But then to, to question the, the logic of some things, you know, and some of us, you know, some of us just need to understand how it works. I just need to understand how it works. I just need to know, but, but, but I, I, it's got to make sense to me. Some of us are living in a world where it has to make sense to me. The book of Job wants us, uh, the book of Job, uh, it, it points, it, it paints us as an unusual picture. <sighs> this is a very unusual picture the book of Job paints. So it paints <laughs> a conversation, God Almighty entertaining a convo with Satan. God Almighty Entertaining Satan. He's talking with him. This is the picture that Job paints us. A very unusual, right? About this nearless, flawless man. They start talking about this. So, so, so now, first of all, Satan and God are talking, and then they start talking about a man, like a man that was almost flawless. But but he was, you know, almost flawless. There's things that we don't like about this story. Can I, can I tell you some of the things that we don't like about this story? We don't like the fact, number one, that God and the devil are talking. Why are y'all talking? They're not supposed to be talking. We don't like that. God, why are you talking to that fool? Why are you entertaining him? If you would have never talked to him, he would have never went through that. <laughs> like, right? Like, like. So, so, what, what, so we don't like the fact that God was talking to the to Satan. We we also don't like the fact that God is. Seamless, I mean he he, it seems like he's just watching from the sidelines. God, what are you doing? How are you watching all this? We don't like that. We don't like to read that 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 he's watching from the sidelines while this is we don't like to, to read that all the things that Satan has done to Job and that God allowed it, like he's watching this, and he's like, go ahead and he's seeing what the enemy is doing to Job, and he's watching this over and over again, right? Like, like, we don't like to read this. We don't like to see this. Nothing about this story really makes sense. But, But what's the logic behind this? Where's the logical meaning behind all this? And some of us are chasing logical meaning. And we feel that if we were to turn uh, to, in our, to turn to God in, our, in faith during our suffering, maybe things will be more logical. And that's not true. And that's not true. The point that this makes a point for me because suffering doesn't make sense, right? Suffering doesn't make sense. What do we all want? We want a good family. We want a good job. Um, If if we could have changed things, we would have chosen a a, a nice childhood. We want to give a good childhood for our our children, a good education, a good career, you know, um, financially stable so that we can buy a nice house or or be set for retirement. Um, Oh, and no suffering ever again. Like if you were putting your life together on a piece of paper and writing, you were writing out your life, you would pick all the things that you like, you know, you know, job, family, love, joy, happiness, stability, this and that. No one's going to write, suffering. No one's going to do that. No one's going to do that. Grief, suffering, no one's going to do that. So, so um, <laughs> no suffering through it all. But yet our desires of life collide with the reality of life. You understand? What we desire is not reality because the reality is that we will suffer. We will have grief. And here comes the suffering through grief, through hardships, through illness, through crisis, through tragedy, and the list goes on and on. And it doesn't discriminate. Suffering does not discriminate. It doesn't matter your age, teenagers, young old, it doesn't matter your your sex, it doesn't matter, you know, your nationality, there is no discrimination when it comes to suffering. And through all of this, faith is still an option, even if it doesn't seem logical, illogical. Choosing faith in the midst of suffering may look like insanity to all who are watching you go through things. Like you are bound to hear things like this. Job, oh man, yeah, Job 2.9. I mentioned this already, but we'll mention it again. And his wife said to him, are you still trying to maintain your integrity? Curse God and die. This is his wife. Which means this. It tells me that in, in this story, the person most closest to Job The person most closest to Job still didn't understand the logic behind his faith in God in the midst of suffering. There will be people in your life, no matter how close they are to you, that you will choose faith in the midst of suffering, and they will be like, what is wrong with you? What are you doing? Like, how how are you choosing to trust God? I mean, look, at God is allowing this to happen to you right now, which was the case at Job, right? Job, God allowed those things to happen, and yet Job still never took his faith off the Lord. Many things about faith won't make sense to the outside, to those outside the circle of faith. We have people that are in our friends, our families, that really don't don't believe what we believe. They don't have a, a relationship with God. And 1 Corinthians 1.18, it says that the message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. If you are outside the circle of faith, anything that has to do with placing your faith in the lord may seem dumb, irrational, uh, uh doesn't make sense to them. It's not going they're not going to understand it. And so we can't we can't be swayed. And this is important. We cannot be swayed by people that don't even have a relationship with God. If I'm suffering, don't give me no you you got a relationship with God? No, no, get out of my face. Get out. I don't need. I don't. I don't. I'm already going through some pain and suffering right now. I don't need to be misled. You got a relationship, God? If you do, all right. Then all right. Talk to me. Help me out. Sit by my side. Don't don't put yourself through more grief than necessary. If you're already going through it, the last thing you need is those that don't share a relationship with God to then enter your circle and then plant all sorts of junk into your head. God will work his greatest triumph through what appeared at that moment to be the greatest loss. We see that at the cross. God worked his greatest triumph through what at that moment seemed to be his greatest loss. Jesus the prophet is finally dead. Oh, what a loss, what a loss. No, it was the greatest triumph. He rose from the dead. Okay, it doesn't take away the pain. It doesn't stop questions, and it doesn't create logical reasons for suffering. Choosing faith in crisis, in, 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 in suffering, does remind us that God is in control. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. By faith we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command and that we and that we what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. Faith is believing that God exists. It doesn't require perfection. You don't got to be perfect to have faith. And this this, this is important. you don't have to be perfect to have faith. But a consistent belief That God is in control. That's having faith. God is in control. God is in control. Choosing faith in the midst of suffering means choosing to believe without seeing that God is in control. It's not an easy task when we choose faith. We have to trust. This is why it's not easy because at that moment we're choosing to trust in God, the same very God, that allowed the circumstance that you're currently going through at the moment. I want you to understand that. It's not easy because when we choose faith in suffering, we are choosing to trust God, the very God that allowed us to go through the suffering in the first place. It's like, (laughs) okay. If you look at Job's story, the only one in complete control the entire time is God. Well, If Job was in control, he wouldn't have those boils all over his body for sure. I mean, but yeah, I get it. You know, Job, Job was in control of the fact that he, he chose to continue having faith. That, that he chose. But as far as who was in control of everything, the elements, the, the, the situations, the people, God was in control the entire time although satan still did his little thing here and there god was still in control he always was choosing faith doesn't suddenly allow god. <laughs> when we choose faith it doesn't suddenly give god permission to now be in control do you guys get it sometimes we think that like okay now things will quickly Choosing faith doesn't mean that suddenly God is like, oh, okay, now now I'm in control again. He was always in control, even in the suffering. When things are crazy in our lives, when we're going through suffering, what do we do? Well, on one hand, we could just reject God who allowed the suffering. God, you did this. And reject him. Or... Which, by the way, many people do. How many of us know people like that in our lives? How many of us may have been guilty at one point of rejecting God because of what we went through? Or we can choose to trust the one and only, the only, one, the one and only God that remains in control above all. Evil. All suffering. So choosing faith... Allows us to see that God is in control. Choosing faith in the midst of suffering is a rare gift we give. We can give to the Lord. How many? When we think about giving a gift to God, you ever have that friend in your life that just has everything? And when it's time to give that friend something for Christmas or birthday, you're like, "Well, here's a gift card." Because I mean, like, I mean like, you just what do you give? What do you give someone that pretty much you know they have they have everything that they need, right? You never know what they want, and as soon as they want it, they get it, they have it, and you never know what to get them. What do we give God? A God that has it all. He has it all. So we say we give him our worship. We give him our praise, right? And that's a gift we give to God. But can I tell you a little secret if you want to get him, like, an extra, extra special gift? A rare gift. Think about it. Anybody can praise and worship God when things are good. When things are great, when things are going well, you can praise, you can worship. Some people will sing their heart out, thank you, Jesus, because everything is perfect. But when, but it takes faith and spiritual maturity to sing those praises through those bad days. And if you can pull it off, if you can fight through all the the, the, the junk the enemy will throw in your direction to keep you from praising and worship, if you can fight through that and pull it off, you at that moment are giving God a precious, rare gift of worship, unique at that very moment. At that moment, you're going through this, 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 but you're giving God a gift of praise and worship through it. It's unique to this moment. It's special. It's priceless. Think about it. Job was wise enough to know that God controlled the good days, and he also controlled the bad days. He controlled the success of his life. He controlled, uh, you know, the, the suffering he remembered that in no circumstances, good or bad, would it ever change the nature of God? He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Always to be worthy of praise. Job 19:25 says, But as for me, I know that my Redeemer lives, and he will stand upon the earth. At last, you know. I believe in this. In this section, and Job's friends were kind of just like, like, "Yo, man, what's going on? This and that. Maybe, maybe you did this, or maybe God turned his back on you. Maybe. I mean, it's also that he's like, listen, listen, listen. My Redeemer lives, and one day he will stand upon the earth knowing how bad things were for him, and to see what he says, it should make an imprint in your heart. It should, it should, it should per, like permanently imprint your heart as we see him give this precious gift of praise and faith through his suffering. Paul and Silas gave God this gift of praise through suffering, and we know that They did it in hard times when they were imprisoned in uh, Philippi. Down in the dungeons, yet they sang songs of praise to God. They were chained up, shackled up, and they still worshiped and praised him. And then the earthquake came, broke all the chains, opened all the doors, and God set them free. They could have possibly... Had they missed the opportunity to choose faith in the midst of suffering, had they they missed the opportunity to to, to praise the Lord in prison through the trial, through the tribulation, they could have never had such a great harvest of souls in that community. You guys know that what happens is the, the the doors bust open. The jailer is saved. He goes home and his whole family is saved. There's, there's, a, there's a, 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 a outpouring of people coming to the Lord because they chose to have faith in their suffering. Do you know that choosing to have faith in your suffering isn't only going to bless you? Do you understand that? It's not only going to bless you, but those around you will be impacted by you choosing faith in the midst of suffering. Um, choosing faith, and lastly, lastly, choosing faith in the midst of suffering will bring you closer to God. It will bring you closer to God. Some people will be like, how oh, do I get closer to God, Pastor? I'm going through it right now. I'm like, okay, perfect. I'm glad you're going through it right now. This is a good moment to get closer to God. <laughs> Some of you always don't like it when I, <laughs> when I talk like that. You're like, come on, Pastor, I'm hurting. I, I know you're hurting. This is good. No, it's not. No, you're going to get closer to God through this. Trust me. Through the season of suffering, they had fallen, uh, That had fallen upon Job, was, a start, was starting a short journey that would lead to his greatest understanding of who God was. The road of suffering was the only way that would lead him to a more intimate encounter with God. The road of suffering that Job had to go through was the only way that would lead him to a more intimate encounter with God. Unfortunately, not every person that, you know, comes closer to God through suffering, we we know that at that, you know, you have to make a decision, are you going to turn to him in your suffering, or are you going to reject him? Some go in the opposite direction; they go far away, further than God, further from God than ever before. We see this with Pharaoh's example. When Pharaoh rejected God, there was much suffering. When Pharaoh he rejected God, he allowed the destruction of his country. Right when he refused to acknowledge God in the midst of this uh, pre-exodus. Um, uh, suffering during like the plagues. Remember when they were going through the plagues? So during that moment, what if Pharaoh after the first plague would be like, "Oh God, you are God." In that suffering, as his country went through that, said, "You know what? No, this is too much suffering. I'm going to I'm going to turn to God. You're God. I acknowledge you." Would have they gone through all the rest of the plagues? If he would have turned to God? I mean, I know I know it would happen, happen. But the plagues kept coming because of his rejection of acknowledging who God was. The plagues kept coming because he just wouldn't surrender himself to God. Some people think rejecting God in their midst of suffering, they walk away and they think, bro, is this going to be a lot more on his way? It's a lot more suffering and pain on the way if you reject the one that we're supposed to turn to in those times. We see the story of the rich man. He was afraid to suffer the loss of his riches, the loss of material wealth, and as a result, he missed out on walking with Jesus, the Messiah. Oh, you had, a, you had an opportunity to, hang, to be one of Jesus' homeboys? Like, you would have seen the miracles. You would have been with him. You would have, like, I mean, you had this opportunity. But, but because you were afraid of suffering the loss of your finances, of your material wealth, you missed out. You missed out on intimacy with Jesus. But look at King David for a moment. Became the most beloved songwriter in the history of faith and most of his great psalms came straight out of his seasons of suffering yes yes first peter 4:12 to 13 says dear friends do not be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through as if something strange were happening to you instead be very glad for these trials, for they make, um, they make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to the world. When we suffer, we become partners with Christ and we share in his suffering. When we suffer especially when we're suffering for his sake, when we suffer for his sake, when we refuse to compromise with the world, when we refuse to, to, to look like everybody else or, or to do what everyone else is doing, when we refuse to not worry about losing our material wealth or our status. We we're talking about the things that we might lose to live a life of faith. We, mentioned, we made a list of things on last Thursday at Bible study. What are some of the things that we could lose if we choose to live out a life of faith, money, status, popularity. These are, I mean, we went down the whole list. There was much more. Are you prepared to lose things like that, to follow in faith? And if, and if right now you find yourself like the rich man, like, uh, uh, I do want to follow you. He wanted to follow Jesus. He did. He wanted to follow Jesus. That's the whole of sermon right there. Like, he wanted to follow Jesus. He says, I want to be with you. I want to follow. And Jesus was like, all right, come on, let's go. Give it all up and come with me. And he's like, oh, snap, I didn't know there were conditions to this. I I didn't know I had to. Wait, well, come on. I mean, at least let me put it in some stocks and bonds or something. Like, I mean, let me put it somewhere. You know, it was like. You want to follow Jesus. And some of us right now, we want to serve him. We want to follow him. And yet we're holding back because of the thought of the suffering that we might encounter in certain areas of our life. I might suffer this relationship if I follow God. I might suffer in my finances because some of the ways I get my money is through uh, selling Uh, selling what do you call it? I'm, I'm a bookie on the street. What do you call it? Numbers. Selling numbers on the street. That's how I make my living. That's how I make my living. I'm a bookie. I'm a bookie pastor now. If I turn my life to God, I mean, what am I might suffer. I might go through I might go hungry. So you're telling me that the Almighty God has less power than these numbers you're selling on the street? In closing... I want to go back to the story, the Bennett story. They found themselves in that school. After weeks of living in that school and out in the parking lot, a church in Paino or Pavo, Georgia decided to act. Mind you, these, these weeks of being stranded in this school, they were praying. They chose faith in suffering. They decided to act, and they sent eight buses to pick up hurricane victims and bring them back to their church. So they rented eight buses. They sent them over there. They load them up, and they brought them back to their church. There, 259 people now had hot food. They have comfortable beds. They had clean restrooms, donations of clothes, donations of shoes, food, money. The Bennets were among those 259 people. When all around them was underwater, when they had lost it all, when they saw the pain and the suffering, they chose to have faith in that time of suffering. And three weeks later, after walking away from that hurricane, Carlota gave her life to the Lord. And she was baptized, and her path of suffering brought her closer to God. Our paths of suffering will bring us closer to God if you choose faith. If you choose faith. If you choose to have faith and to trust in an almighty God in the midst of the trials and the tribulations and all the stuff you're going through, You will be closer to God. Church, can you guys stand with me this morning? Can I have some of the prayer team make their way up to the front? I got questions for you, church. Simple questions. What about you? How about you? Where is your path of suffering taking you? Where is your path of suffering? Some of us are going through some things right now. Some of us got some stuff going on right now. Some of y'all got some drama in your life. Some of you guys can't get away from it. You got drama in your life right now. Where is that road of suffering pointing you to? Is it God? Taking you closer to God? Or do you find yourself rejecting and pushing further and further away? The times of suffering are real. There's pain and there's questions that come from it. But if we choose faith in these times, we will see that God is in control. God is in control. Choosing faith in these times, it gives you an opportunity to give God a precious gift. A gift that is just not the same to give Him praise and worship when things are great. There's something powerful about being able to praise and worship Him when you are going through some suffering. Is your suffering too much? Sometimes does it seem too painful? I want to pray with you this morning because sometimes, you know what, we are human. We're not here to shame one another, to be like, oh, you can't handle the suffering in your life. No. Guess what? Some of us really are not doing well with the suffering in our lives. doesn't make you any less of a person. It just means that, you know what, you need people to come alongside you to just show you that you're loved and that you will get through this. You will get through this. We want to pray with you this morning. If anyone's going through some things in their life, it doesn't. Maybe, you, maybe you don't. Maybe you're like, well, I'm not really suffering, Pastor. If you are going through a trial in your life right now, if there's any suffering in your life right now, if there's grief in your life right now. If you if you know you want to follow God, if you know you you know I want to serve you, Jesus. I want to follow you, Jesus. But yet there's some things in my life that I'm 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 thinking about. Like I don't want to suffer the loss of, and it's keeping you and holding you back. We want to pray with you this morning, and I also want to do. I want to pray for those that God is placed, because there are some of you here today that are amazing encouragers. You guys talk to people on the phone, you encourage one another when you're going through it. And I want to pray, I want, if, if you feel that God has, has, has used you in encouraging others, I want to pray with you this morning. So I want you, I want the encouragers to make their way up into the front too. We we should have a church full of encouraging people because the Bible calls us to encourage and motivate one another. So if you are an encourager, I want you to come up because we want to pray with you. We want to pray with you that God give you words, that God give you wisdom, that God give you discernment as he puts people in your life that are going through pain and suffering. The altar is open. Father God, right now, look at those that are here today Look at those that are making their way or, or are struggling to make their way up, Lord, fighting within themselves to take a step of faith and come before you, in your altar this morning. Father God, I ask right now that you just embrace them, that you remind them that they are loved, that they are not forgotten, that, Lord, you have plans for their life, Father God. Look at those that are used um, as encouragers, Lord God those that you have used to bless other people father god I ask right now that you just give them wisdom that you give them strength that you give them discernment lord as they continue to be used to help others that are going through some tough moments in their lives father i thank you lord that in your word there's answers for everything When we question why we suffer, we see in your word that others suffered. They chose you in the midst of suffering. Lord, let his example, let his example be imprinted in our minds and hearts. And when we go through what we go through, may we turn to you in those times. In Jesus' name, amen.